Let's go. The clock is ticking until the new season begins. This is the Go Radio Football Show. Celtic gaffer Ange Postecoglou has been talking about the anxiety he's feeling as the club try to play catch-up in the transfer market. Defender Carl Starfelt should be available for the weekend, but striker Kyogo Yuruhashi is still in quarantine and the Celtic squad still looks wafer thin ahead of tomorrow night's Champions League decider in Denmark. Uh, Stephen Cragen, massive match. Uh, how are you feeling about Celtic's chances? Do you know what? Barring the West Ham game, I think after the Michelin game last Tuesday night, there was enough in that game to encourage the Celtic fans and you know Celtic team first and foremost that they have more than enough in their locker to go to Michelin and win. They carried a threat. They should have won the game. They should have been going with the lead. However, the weekend just highlighted the nervousness what will be around the manager with his young back four, his inexperienced back four, uh, and I'm sure that will give Michelin a lot of heart in saying that the attacking threat they have Rob won't be as good as what West Ham had so if Celtic can defend properly and defend well they've got more than enough for midfield to front to go and win we're going to hear some interesting stuff in the course of the next hour from Ange Postacoglu who also said that Lee Griffiths who wasn't on the flight to Denmark can win back the Celtic fans who booed him during that 6-2 weekend defeat that Craig's just been talking about against West Ham, and uh, there is that contrast, isn't there, with the mood on either side of the city at the moment. And some good news for Rangers in the course of the last few minutes in terms of how many uh, can watch them open up their league defence against Livingston. Yeah, I think initially it was going to be 17 or 18,000. They've said, what, a few minutes ago, Rob, 23,000 season ticket holders will now be inside our block. So that's almost 50% capacity which is a huge lift, not just for Rangers, but for everyone around the country thinking supporters back more. Yeah, you know, I think the government were talking today that they're on track, hopefully still, was it the 9th of August, where all restrictions will be lifted and then we can potentially have full stadiums. So, you know, football's back. We hoped it would be with fans. It is. The numbers are increasing quickly. So it's all positive. Stephen Craig and Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show. You can be too in the next hour. This is the last of our 60-minute shows. We're back to the full thing uh, tomorrow night, five till seven. And we've got Barry Ferguson and Davy Proven alongside myself for that one. Um, just looking at uh, Celtic's uh, squad issues of the moment, and there are plenty of them, and that big... Uh, contrast with what's happening at Rangers. Uh, Rangers heading towards the start of the of the Premiership season. That home game against Livingston, which is a half one kickoff on Saturday, and they've been a start to trimming their squad. We've spoken a lot about that in the last uh, couple of weeks. They've of course added uh, significantly to what they have, uh, but the feeling has always been that in terms of numbers, they would have to start cutting. Um, and they've today sold defender George Edmondson to Ipswich. It makes sense, Rob because he's a, he's a young player who's kind of caught in between. He's probably not good enough to play for Rangers at the minute. So do they send him out in loan or do they just try and take a bid that has arrived from it, switch just to cut losses, let him move on? And you think back to the situation where himself and Jordan Jones broke the COVID regulations, didn't he? And you just wonder, is that still sticking in the yeah. back of Stephen Gerrard's mind? He talks a lot about trusting his players. You wonder, did he lose a lot of trust in George Edmondson then? Um, but ultimately, when you could Connor Goldson, you could Jack Simpson, Philip Hollander, Leon Balogun, and Nikola Katic, six central defenders, as well as Edmondson, six central defenders, far too many. So my thoughts a couple of weeks ago, I'd done a column and I was talking about it and I thought Edmondson would have been one of the ones sold mm. because he'd played in England and he created a bit of interest. 
And I think Nikola Katic will be the one to go out and loan to go and get him 20, 30, 40 games between now and Christmas or between now and the end of the season and then potentially look at him further on. So a back four, or sorry, four centre-halves and four full-backs when you look at Barisic and Bassi, uh, Tavernier and Patterson plus your four centre-halves. I think that's a good base to build from. You do get the feeling with Steven Gerrard that if you cross the line with him, um, you're not going to get a massive, spectacular, immediate, knee-jerk no. reaction from him, but he will just wait his moment and get rid of you and maybe that's exactly what's happening here. Well, you remember the level he played at, you know, and, and, and the big games he played at and the managers he played under, he will have learned an awful lot from them that you've got to be ruthless. You've got to, you know, lay your marker down. You've got to show the players that if there's any discrepancies with discipline, you're gone. Or there's a huge question mark against your name. And I think once you bring that into the squad and players start to see it, I wouldn't say it frightens them, but it just smartens people up a little bit, Rob. You know, you have to be careful with what you do. He's a, a man trying to make his way in the game. He can't afford to be letting people off the hook and people taking advantage. If you want to show authority, which he is, then you've got to lay the marker down. Plus they won the league. So people will be thinking, there's potential success here moving forward. I want to be part of this. So that all comes into it as well. So so far you've got to say he's managed the situation very, very well. But he's got some tough calls coming up because he's got a huge you know, a plethora of centre midfield players. He's got 12 potential forward players to play in those front three areas but maybe nine midfield players, centre midfield players, you can't keep them all happy, Rob. He's got to find the 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 balance between harmony within the squad and, and restlessness of players who aren't playing. So that's something he will have to manage in the next two or three or four weeks before the transfer window shuts. And that's, you know, it's getting the squad right, getting the quality right, making sure you have the right numbers, you have enough cover, but you have harmony and everybody's happy. And Postecoglou uh, audio coming up. The rumour machine has Celtic poised to sign Royal Antwerp right back Aurelio Buta in a three million pounds deal. It's certainly not a done deal, uh, according to the the Celtic manager. Another one that's floating around at the moment is Peruvian striker Gianluca Lapadula. He's thirty one, which immediately makes uh, makes you think uh, maybe not. Uh, he's been playing in the Copa America. He helped Peru to the semi-finals. Uh, the other thing that makes you think it's probably not going to happen and he's not going to end up a Celtic player is that he's valued at around £8.5 million. Yeah. Pounds. The problem is, you know, everybody knows in football now that Celtic are needing players. They've got a little bit of money to spend because they've sold Christopher Ayer. Uh, Dermot Desmond has probably given Ange Postacoglu a little bit of extra finance as well. So suddenly then, agents from everywhere will be phoning the Scottish media and the press and saying they're speaking to my player, they want this player, they want that player. Everybody jumps on the rumour mill trying to get their player a move, trying to instigate some sort of interest. Uh, Ange Postacoglu, he hasn't commented on anyone so far, apart from the players he signed. He said, we're getting close, things are moving on. So he's very coy with what he says. But as we know here in Scotland, Rob, there's players linked time and time again. Yeah. You link 40 players with Celtic and you get one right. And that's the headline. We got it right. <laughs> not, yeah. the, not the 39 you got it wrong. Which is part of journalism. I get that. So people and fans have to be careful what they look into and what they read and what's actually true because it's all agents trying to stir it up. Yeah, and the agents of the world are undoubtedly looking at Celtic at the moment and seeing a club that desperately need new yep. players. So it's a fairly natural uh, that one and one sometimes makes two or possibly two and a half or <laughs> three. Uh, on that Aurelio uh, Buta potential transfer, uh, Ange Postacoglu said today, close to signing could mean a million miles away. What I do know is we're working on things. I can categorically say we haven't signed anyone else as yet, but we're working hard to make sure we can do that in the coming days so watch the space of course the Rangers fans will know Buta because he played for Royal Antwerp yeah. he played in both games he yeah. played in the 4-3 game out 
in Antwerp and he played in the 5-2 game at Ibrox and I remember him particularly from the first leg he, sticks, he stuck out in my mind because Rangers got overrun down that left hand side when Barisic Ryan Kent didn't start remember he brought Ryan Kent on yeah. I think just before half time when Kemar Roof got injured I think it was uh, and, and he was overlapping and Barisic was having problems and he was getting crosses and I thought they're getting overrun he brought on Ryan Kent just before half time and he was electric he absolutely lit the game up I think he gave Buta a, a, a tough time in the second half certainly in the away leg and the home leg Rangers steamrolled him so uh, it'll be interesting to see where he is 24 years of age good physical presence wants to get forward and overlap just exactly what Celtic need we're going to hear plenty from Ange Postecoglou. Um, interesting what he says and sometimes interesting what he doesn't say as well. And I think sometimes you can maybe read between the lines. And before we get to today's uh, media conference, uh, let's uh, take his temperature in a, in a sense. Maybe he needed it taken as well after being thumped uh, 6-2 by West Ham at the weekend. But just hearing what, what he sounded like at the weekend, because sometimes in the space of a couple or three days between media conferences, um, the whole tenor of what he's saying and just his whole mood uh, seems to change. This was him after that 6-2 defeat at the weekend. When you represent this football club, when you play football in general, well, yeah, you can't shield people. That's part of the process is to stand up to things like this when things aren't going well or if, if things haven't gone well and react in a positive way. You know, you, you can't go hiding. I'm not going to go hiding and you know, I don't expect the players to, you know. They, they've just got to stand up and, and take responsibility for, for whatever situation arises, both good and bad, because sometimes, even in the good, you know, you get carried away with things. So it wasn't a bad individual tonight. Like I said, I just thought collectively, defensively, we were very poor the whole night. And this was um, on players wanting away. If they're not happy here, then they can move on. I mean, representing this football club should give you any joy and happiness. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not an entertainer. I'm here to, to create, hopefully, a culture that maintains the values and traditions of this club and also brings success to this, this club. I'm not interested in people being happy. And now on to today, and this is the, the comment, uh, the quote that I alluded to right at the top of the show uh, when he talks about anxiety uh, in terms of Celtic's dealings or lack of dealings or too slow dealings in the transfer market. I'd be sitting here in a different sort of scenario if the players we'd already signed were already part of the squad and training, you know. Um, if you look at our, you know, starting 11 from last week and, and potentially the starting 11 I put out tomorrow night, it's, it's a very, very young group in terms of age and experience. So that's the biggest sort of challenge for us is that we sign players, but, you know, there's a two or three potentially week lag time before we get them in. So I think we'd, we'd be looking at a different scenario in terms of how I felt about, you know, how we're moving on transfers if we'd already had the ones we'd signed in, you know, but that's adding sort of that a uh, little bit of anxiety because it's not just about the team we're putting out there, but we're just very, very thin in terms of numbers. Lots of ifs and buts and maybes. Uh, the one definite is that Celtic are playing Michelin tomorrow night, uh, 6.45 kickoff our time. Uh, that match in Denmark, 1-1 from the first game at Celtic Park. And, and yes, there are ways that Celtic can survive in European football this season, um, but, but they want to be getting through that one. And, and it's going to be tough, isn't it? Because I, I, it's funny how your mood changes and your feelings your, of optimism for Celtic change. Because after the first leg, uh, performance much better than result. The feeling was Celtic were much the better team. Uh, I, I felt really hopeful for them in this return game. And then that 6-2 uh, thumping at the weekend, which can't have done anyone any good. And personnel-wise, are they going to be any better off tomorrow night? Well, first of all, what I will say, I really like listening to Ange Postacoglu. I love his honesty. And I think that's what the Celtic fans will appreciate. 
he spoke about it there not trying to you know cover for players or, or, or look after them too much because fans can see for themselves Rob mm. you can't come out and make excuses and, and say this didn't happen fans can see for their own eyes and he's quite happy for to say well judge it for yourself the players have got to take ownership the players have got to stand up so I really like his style of management I think that's what the Celtic fans have been crying out for for a long time come out and be honest and tell us how it is because we can see it which is good um Tomorrow night, I, I touched on at the top of the programme, the concern is defensively, said that, against West Ham, how they defended defensively as a team. And when you get so many young players and inexperienced players along your back four, you get a goalkeeper who doesn't fill the back four full of confidence or fill the team full of confidence, probably doesn't fill the manager full of confidence or even the supporters, then you have a concern because when you go with more experienced defenders in particular, you have a rough idea what they're going to do, how they're going to defend and what their strengths are. With young players, their form can fluctuate. It can be up and down. They will make mistakes, they will make errors, they will get themselves caught on the wrong side of attackers, they will make wrong pass choices. And that's why you normally send them out in loan to play 30, 40 games, so they make those mistakes somewhere else. Whereas Ange Postacoglu is having to use these young men probably ahead of time for some of them, and they're making mistakes and he doesn't know what's coming. That, that, that will be his biggest fear. That's why he will lose sleep tonight, Rob, ahead of tomorrow night's game thinking, how will the back four be done well against Mitchelland? We looked compact, you know, young Dan Murray come on and done well, and suddenly we looked so open and so exposed against West Ham. What back four, how will we defend in that game? That will be his biggest concern. Um, but I said, from midfield to front, they've got enough to go and win the game, they've got enough attack and threat. Uh, Mitchelland will know that. However, they will watch that weekend game against West Ham and thought, if we can get out in that back four, if we can score first, if we can upset them, that could be the way for us to go and win the game. So, it's about getting that right, making sure they get a good, solid defensive performance. If they can do that, they can win the game. But as I said, with young players, it fluctuates up and down, and that'll be the concern. Vasilis Barkas isn't a young player. He's 27. He's got lots of football behind him. He hasn't got too many big saves for Celtic behind him. Um, and it, well, it depends who you speak to as to how you regard the, the Michelin goal last week. Um, it looked like a major blunder uh, to me it looked like a major howler I think to most people uh, conceding uh, from where that free kick was taken uh, here's the Ange Postacoglu take on how his confidence is um, on the back of that big moment last week at Celtic Park no look I don't think he's he's his confidence I think I said you know after the, the first leg he was disappointed with with the goal he conceded apart from that you know we were, we were quite comfortable um as a defensive unit um so you know I think from that perspective I'm I'm, I'm shying away too much from from sort of focusing on individuals because I, I just feel that for where we are in this place and time it's the collective that's going to get us you know the the kind of results we need and the kind of performances we need because we're as I said we're, we're such a young group at the moment. You look at our back four um, potentially, and you know there's not a player over 24 years of age. I think, and and I'd hate to think how many appearances between the four of them. But you know we I can't start isolating individuals and 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 trying to um, you know. Um, analyze their games too deeply because ultimately that's not going to make a difference for what we're trying to do now. We're trying to achieve something and we, the only way we'll achieve it is as a collective. So, you know, that's why I'm looking at it and that includes, you know, Barkey and includes every other player in the team. I'm, I'm looking at team performance rather than individuals right now. What do you think? Are you backing Barkas? Uh, 08, 08, 17, 17, 700. Do you think he has a future at Celtic? Do you think he's the man for the season uh, for Celtic? Um, is it Scott Bain? 
Is it Barkas? Connor Hazard played last mm. season as well. Ross Doohan is there as well. They've got four goalkeepers. Um, are any of them good enough, Crags? I think the fact that he's back in Barkas so far probably tells you, you said earlier on, it's about what he doesn't say. And I think it's about what he's not doing, that he's keeping Barkas in, how he feels about the other three. At this moment in time, Robbie, he must look at him and think he's my best goalkeeper. You know, which is a slight concern for the other three, thinking, well, if we're not better than him, then we're never going to play here at Celtic. Yeah. So that's the big call. Uh, and you did speak about honesty as well, and, and he is very upfront, yeah. tells it like it is, but he's maybe evading the question this time. Uh, he, he, that is he being completely it's, honest? It's because he's got such a big game. Yeah, you know he, he's got to be careful how he, how he treats him, how he speaks about him private, public, uh, private, yes. sorry, publicly. He will speak privately, maybe different to him. He'll be asking questions, and he will be disappointed. So again, that's what I talk about his man, man uh, his management style. Mm. He's open with other things and a little bit quiet with other. Because he has to look after his players in some aspects and I think he has to look after Barkas because everybody's going for him. Yeah, I, I do get looking after him but also you have to address individuals when they're costing you games well, and points. Will. I would imagine he's doing it privately yeah. but he's looking and thinking the other three aren't good enough to replace him. Yeah. So that's why I, I have to go with him. If I had another goalkeeper he'd probably dig him out and, and wouldn't play him. If he had another goalkeeper who he thought was better he obviously believes he's his best goalkeeper and that's his concern. That's his concern tomorrow night. Back four and goalkeeper. That will make him lose sleep tonight. Are you a Celtic fan? Do you have faith in Vasilis Barca? Should it be Scott Bain in goals? Do Celtic desperately need to sign a new goalkeeper? And what about tomorrow night in Denmark? Are you hopeful? 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. Tonight on a Tuesday with Rob McLean and Stephen Cragen. Good to have you with us uh, for the next half hour or so. We're back to the... The full thing, the full 120 minutes as of uh, tomorrow night. Breaking news is always very much part of the Go Radio Football Show. And we've already told you uh, in the first part of this show that uh, 23,000 Rangers fans will be inside Ibrox on Saturday to watch uh, their title defence open up against Livingston. All season ticket holders are to be entered into a straight ballot for the available tickets, the club say. Uh, they're expecting a full capacity in time for the second leg of their Champions League qualifier on the 10th of August. And meantime, uh, 24,500 Celtic supporters will be allowed into their first home league match of the season. Uh, that's against uh, Dundee on August the 7th. So Rob McLean, Stephen Craig, and let's talk to Jordan, who's a Celtic fan. Hi, Jordan. Hi, guys. How's it going? Good, thank Hi, you. What sort of fettle are you in? Uh, to be honest with you, I, uh, I think I'm, I'm still quite positive, but I reckon that's because I never actually watched the game at the weekend. Um, I came away from last Wednesday actually feeling quite positive with what uh, Andrew's managed to do in the last four weeks. Uh, I mean, I, th I think, I mean, Craig's and I are, are, are in agreement that we really do like the cut of his jib and, and the way he speaks. And although, you know, I, have, I would have to say it, it does sound a bit like a, an emotional roller coaster at times because. Um, and I, I interviewed him um, before and after the, the Preston game recently um, and it was as if he'd seen a ghost in that game to be honest it was pretty grim for grim for Celtic um, and maybe in a sense continues to, to be so are you worried about this game tomorrow night Jordan? <laughs> See I, I wasn't until after Saturday yeah I think the, the boy uh, Welsh and the young boy Murray done well when they come on but then I don't know if that was a case of adrenaline I mean they were laser focused and then bit more relaxed into the game against West Ham and that's where the slip-ups happens and 
like you've mentioned before, I think I think the biggest risk on the pitch to us at the moment is Barkas, unfortunately, I thought. Um especially the goalie let in. It was it seemed like he was in two minds whether or not to actually attack the ball, which for a goalkeeper rather you'd you want him to make a mistake hundred percent not to be undecided when they're going for it. Rather he punches it halfway up the pitch or he tries to tip it over the bar, but mm. he didn't do either. And I think that's just been I've been telling his his year at Celtic, he just inspires absolutely no confidence whatsoever. It, it seemed that's as if he pulled the gloves away from it, uh, Craig, didn't he? And it, which which yeah. is worrying for a goalkeeper. Well, it's interesting. Jordan makes a point because I always think, even particularly, you know, when I played centre half, there was ever any doubt or any concern in your mind. It was always hold your position. You know, don't go and try and win a ball that you think, you know, I'm not too sure if I can win it. Don't make a tackle you think you can't make or you can't win. Same as a goalkeeper. Don't come off your line unless you're convinced you're catching this ball or you're making contact. Don't try and read the flight of the ball. Stay in your position and, and, and take take your judge and make your decision from there. So that looked to me like a decision of trying to make a positive decision but ended up making an error. So that tells me there's doubt in his mind. Um but listen, there's no doubt. Jordan, is there anything at all, having looked at Barkas, that you think, since he's arrived at the club, that he can be the long-term number one? Not at all. I, I, hate, I hate ragging on Celtic players as much as yeah. it can be easy sometimes, especially after last year. But I, I don't even think he looks like a goalkeeper. There's nothing that's said to me, oh, he looks like he's got potential. You know what I mean? Every, every game that I watched, I watched most of the games last year, and I've watched a few of the pre-season friendlies, and, and he just... I don't. I'm not inspired by him whatsoever. Do you know what I mean? Like, even Craig Gordon and I was prone to a howler, but you were almost guaranteed that he was going to make a couple of actually cracking saves in the match. And you can forgive a goalkeeper a howler every couple of games if you think they're then going to make that that big stop. Mm. But I just it doesn't seem like he's got in him. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or if he's not adjusting to the game or. And yourselves, you'll know, if confidence is a big thing for a footballer. So as soon yeah. as that goes, it's hard to win it back. And maybe if he'd have saved that that would have been the game changer or maybe he'll make a big save tomorrow if he gets played and that'll make a big difference but at the moment I'm me and my, I speak to my old man about it all the time we're completely unconvinced by him What does that then say for the other three goalkeepers? How do you think they feel? If you, you know, Because players are fully aware of situations and when you're not playing in the team you're probably more fully aware of criticism of the guys who are playing ahead of you and the press and the fans because it doesn't affect you directly, so you like to look to see what's going on. They'll be knowing what's being said and listening mm-hmm. to what's being said. They must be thinking, if I can't get into the team now, when am I going to get into the team? Yeah, 100%. And like you say, I'd, I've never been a huge fan of Bain, but I'd be a lot more comfortable seeing his name on the team sheet, team sheet than I would be Barcast, if I'm completely honest with you. you know, he's he's done well when he's come in, I've thought. He's never been, uh, he's never really sort of Craig Gordon or Fraser Foster level, but you can put in a solid performance and make some big stops. So I think, I don't know if it's maybe because it's pre-season and I don't think uh, Ange is the type of guy who's going to take pressure from above to play a player because yeah. they, they cost £5 million. So I can only assume that it is Ange's decision. But And if it was me, I would think that tomorrow's make or break. If he if he stinks up the place tomorrow, then surely someone else has got to come in. And you, and you do get the feeling, Jordan, that just his very start at the club, I mean, it's just gone horribly wrong for him really hasn't it and, and and you get the feeling that, that there's something happening inside his head and he just lacks confidence in those big moments as he showed last week against Mitchell and it's just it's so costly because there were so many ifs and buts about that game weren't there that moment where he should have done something with, with that free kick uh, the beat on red card which was crazy um, and Odson Edouard one on one with the goalkeeper had he scored suddenly Celtic um, had a win to take to Denmark 
Yeah, I, I think before before um, the Beaton incident, and even after uh, the Beaton incident, I thought Celtic were well in control of the game. I thought you could really clearly see, which I was surprised about, is how different the football they're playing now mm. compared to the last season is. So clearly there's a there's an ethos that Ange is putting into play, and it is starting to work. Obviously, we need to bring in a couple of extra players and get the players that were brought in training and out of quarantine or whatever it is that's holding up. And I think we will see a difference. I don't think for a second, and maybe this is just the optimist in me, that it's going to be as, as cut and dry a season as everyone seems to think at the moment. I think there's a long way to go. Yeah. But at this moment, in the immediate future, Celtic need to you know I mean, pull their finger out, basically, and just... Yeah, I think he needs to make some decisions. I, I mean, I don't... I'd, being a goalkeeper's loneliest position on the pitch. You know I mean, if you make a save, you're, you're a hero, and if you don't, then everything else is your fault. So it is a difficult one, but... At the moment, I'd, I'd, honestly, I'd rather see Bain rather than Barkas in the goal tomorrow. I mean, I think there are there are big issues all around the pitch, aren't there? It's not just in goals. There's one, and there's a there are decisions to be made and, and additions to be made in central defence. I mean, no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Carl Starfeld. Um, it sounds as if he's going to be available uh, come the weekend. Let's have a quick listen, Jordan, to, to what Ange said today, not just about Starfeld, but about Chris Julian as well. Uh, with Chris, he's still a little bit away. He's um, he's still in rehab. He's working very hard. Um, you know, I, I would expect at least another couple of months for him. Uh, um, Carl uh, has sort of, from what I understand, he's, he's sort of started some individual training. So we'll hope he joins us at Lennox Town by the time we get back uh, into Scotland. And and um, you know, we'll we'll see what his condition is like then. But he should be available, um, you know, um, by the weekend. I don't know what you were thinking about Chris Julian. I don't know if you knew Jordan how far away he was, but I mean he can almost be counted out of the thinking at the moment, can't he? Because he's he's nowhere near. Jordan, that was to you. Far, far away. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I I didn't realise uh, he was still that far away. No. Um, but I think it'll be good enough. And I think as well, if Starfield comes in, um, I'd have faith in, in young Welsh to if he played against uh, alongside a, an experienced yeah. centre half, he has a lot of potential. I thought, um, apart from the midfield uh, in the first leg against Midland, I thought Welsh was the best player on the park. I thought he was decisive. I thought. The tackle that actually ultimately led to the free kick, I thought was a fantastic challenge. Yeah. I'm completely honest with you. Um, anywhere else in the picture, I don't think the referee had a great game against either for either side last week, so that was maybe just an individual error. But I think if you put someone with a bit of experience alongside Welsh, then Welsh will thrive. And then if that happens, then you've got three good centre-halves to choose from. I mean, yeah, Julian's he's going to be away, and he's a, he's a good player, a strong player, and pops up with a goal from time to time. So he'll be a great addition when he gets back. But... I think getting Starfelt in is a is a big thing. I think just a bit of experience in that back four is going to make all the difference. But that just tightens the point I made earlier, Jordan, when saying with young players, their form can fluctuate game by game. Do you know what I mean? Welsh, I agree with you. I thought he was excellent on Tuesday night, but then on Saturday, when it's a different level, different style of striker, West Ham were, you know, pacey up front, you know, positioning. He then is the number one central defender alongside a young player. He's trying to look after his own game, never mind keep yeah. an eye on young Dane Murray beside him. So, you know, that is the problems that they face. But you have to say, when you look back to all of this and where Celtic are at the minute with regards to back four and possibly a goalkeeper, it all goes back to them stalling and delaying and delaying appointing a manager because they knew that John Joe Kenny was out of contract because he was on loan they knew Laxalt was going to be out of contract they sold El Hamid they sold Frimpong they sold two right backs uh, Christopher Ayer was desperate to go Julian was going to be out injured they didn't, you know, didn't know when he was going to be back so suddenly they've known for a long time they needed a back four and the recruitment and the appointments 
And here they are now, second leg ahead of a, a big Champions League qualifier. A lot of people preempted this, and it's came true. Yeah, it's it's immensely frustrating, and I think as well, I think what does help is you've got a manager now who is openly talking about his frustrations and what he's trying to do. The, the fans will respond to that, but what's happening after a, a decent start from uh, Don McKay, like with including fans in that, it's now all went silent again, and that's where the frustrations for the fans come, especially with the fans who are they're releasing all the kits, they're releasing season tickets, they're asking the fans to invest all this money, and then it's sort of radio silence, and that's what ultimately leads to the frustrations and that will be evident in the stands now as well. Do you know what I mean? If they thought it was bad last year with empty stands, yeah. imagine how bad it's going to be if we have a poor performance because of the back four in front of 20,000, 30,000 Celtic fans. When, let's like, say, Rangers, they pulled off a decent, well, a decent result, that's bad. They pulled a great result against Real Madrid at the weekend. Do you know what I mean? So they're looking like they're ready to go straight into the season, hit the ground running. Whereas Celtic are playing with their under-21s at the back four and Barkas and goal. So it is, it's, and it, it immediately sort of puts pressure they're, they're inviting pressure from the fans because these things haven't been done. And like you said, it was, it's been evident. Our entire back four from last year has now disappeared, apart from Julian, who's not going to be back in until near September time. Do you know what I mean? You've lost the experience at Ayer. Uh, Frimpong, who was, would have been great in attack for what you think Ange is trying to do. Um, John Joe Kenny, I thought, didn't light the world on fire, but he was solid last year. I think Greg Taylor, he's... He puts in a lot of effort and he's a solid left-back, but he's not the guy that's going to pull the whole team forward. You know I mean, if you think about what Tierney was like beforehand. So it does. It just it's, it immediately puts the pressure on the team and especially on uh, Ange as well because ultimately if he doesn't get the results, that's who it's going to fall to. And I, I'm not sure whether or not he'd get the same amount of time as Gerard did mm. um, going without a trophy. You know I mean, that's the other question. How yeah, much time has he been given to yeah, rebuild it? He wouldn't get three years, I would imagine. Put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think if he gets a, a season and come away with, with a, a League Cup or the Scottish Cup, you know, maybe not the League, then he'd get a bit of slack. But if, if it's a trophy-less season, then I don't think he's going to get the same amount of time a lot of does was beforehand. And I, I, and I think he does because, like I say, I like the way he plays. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think you can hear that sometimes in the way Ange Postacoglu is speaking, that, that uh, in brackets, the, the feeling that he might have been thrown under a bus in terms of this this appointment and the time he's got to try and get things right, which is practically no time. Um, a lot of pressure on Callum McGregor as well, the newly installed captain. He's got to be firing on all cylinders for Celtic. That is absolutely crucial to their chances, mm. both in Europe and domestically as well. I have to say, Jordan, I'm more and more impressed with him. I, I liked him already, but I'm more and more impressed with him each time I hear him speak. And I thought this was interesting today. Um, his reaction uh, to a question about Celtic going through a, a transitional period. As a Celtic player and having been a Celtic player for so long now, I think at Celtic, you, you know, regardless of a transition period or not, the players are tasked to win and, and win well. So, you know, that expectation is never going to change. I get that people are, are kind of saying it's transitional and, and everything else and, you know, probably giving us a bit of leeway. But, you know, if, if we have that mentality within the group, then, you know, we won't achieve anything. Yes, it's new players. Yes, there's a new manager. Yes, there's a new chief exec. You know, it's a different feel for the club. But, you know, very, very quickly, you have to get into that winning groove. And, and that's why we're here as footballers, is to, is to win football matches. I like that, Jordan. He's not looking for excuses, is he? 100%, yeah, I think. Regardless of who the, who the board are, who the manager is, if Celtic are Celtic, you know, and they're expected to win things, especially after the last nine, ten years, you know what I mean? And even from the, something like 2000 onwards, Celtic have won the majority of trophies, I think, in league titles. 
Um, so, so as it is expected, and it is, it's a lot of pressure, it's a high pressure job to be in. I think, especially him having followed in uh, Scott Brown's footsteps, yeah. I mean, he's he understands what it means to be a Celtic captain. He's come from when he was five years old up to now, do you know So if there's anyone, it's him, and he's, he's right enough, do you know what I mean? And as, as, as much as there was issues with the fans last year, I think you're expected to win at Celtic, and that sort of mentality needs to be reflected through the management, through the board as well. Um, and I think, again, it's it's down to the communication. I think Celtic fans would be a lot more understanding if there was a little bit more open and honest communication yeah. from the powers that be. Spot it's on. that silence that then leads to the frustrations and the anger, and then that's that's when you get scenes like you did last year. I don't think any reasonable Celtic fan wasn't happy with what they seen last year, but I think everyone can understand to a point that it wasn't just about the fact that they were losing. It was about the fact that they just wilted away. Do you know I mean, Rangers won that, won that league at Canter last year, and then all four of the old firms even when Celtic looked like they were playing well, they were playing in their top gear, whereas Rangers were just sauntering through the matches. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was it was that was the frustration. It was the complete lack of desire and bite that was around the club last year, which is what leads the fans to get upset, I think. Yeah. And and, and that complete lack of there. yeah, that complete lack of communication as well. Because sometimes good communication can help. Uh, it's never more valuable than than in, in tough times, to be honest. Mm. Um, what what about tomorrow night then? How how do you see it going? I, I think if, if we can if we can play out like we did last week, you know what I mean. I think that we're we're more than a match for Mitchelland. It just yeah. depends on whether or not the team can sort of gel and come together. I think, like I said, the way that um, I thought Ryan Christie, I thought that was the best game I've seen him play mm. in a year. Was that game against Mitchelland last week? Um, I don't know if Eddie's going to show up interested or not. Do you know what I mean Abada looks like he's a player? Yeah. Um, I thought I thought the central midfield looked fantastic last week, and even playing out from the back, I thought they all looked like they knew what they were trying to do. So mm. I'm not I'm not writing it off, but I don't by any means think it'll be an easy game. But I think if we if we really pull it out, we could probably sneak a result. Yeah, it might have been different had Abada stayed on. To be honest, the the, the repercussions mm-hmm. of that red card for for Beaton uh, probably went on yeah. and on and on in the game. Um, good to have you on the show, Jordan. Take care of yourself, and we'll hear from you Man, again soon. All the best, Jordan. All the best. That's Jordan talking. Celtic who play Michelin in Champions League qualifiers tomorrow night, 6.45. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. That was good to hear from Jordan just before the break. It's Rob McLean and Stephen Craig in the Tuesday version of the Goat Radio Football Show. We're uh, just 24 hours away from Michelin against Celtic. 1-1 from the first game. Can Celtic get the job done well that transfer rumour mill uh, is showing no signs of slowing down um, that is for a certain just about everybody and their auntie and uncle being linked uh, with Celtic at the moment uh, Celtic need players that's for sure and uh, you can hear that in the voice of Ange Postecoglou in that media conference at Lennox Town uh, today the the rumour machine crags is uh, certainly in the Leith area at the moment uh, talking about the possibility of Jozo Shimunovic the yeah. former Celtic defender Fender uh, coming to Hibs. Now, he's still out of a job at the moment. He's had his injury issues, I think, as well. And the Celtic fans will be pricking up their ears at that, mm-hmm. won't they? Well, they'll be thinking, you know, they let him go last summer, didn't they? You know, he went for free, hasn't got himself a club. So Hibs would, you know, if you can get a player that ability, you know, we were talking about it off air there. I thought he was 28, 29, 26 years of age. Yeah. You know, he cost Celtic £5 million. If Hibs could pull that off, get him in, get him fit, see how his knees are or how his knee is mm. uh, would it be a page of play would it yeah, I don't know there would have to be something if there was any concerns about his knee but certainly a fully fit Jozo Simunovic would make Celtic a better team at this moment in time never mind Hibs Rob I think the, the Celtic fans were 
at times far from convinced about him but it's amazing how times change mm-hmm. and at that point uh, Celtic were awash with central defenders uh, they aren't now and they would probably kill to have uh, to have the likes of Jozo Szymanowicz back and, and you keep thinking about Jack Hendry it's difficult not to well, speak know, about uh, the way Jack Hendry was allowed to leave I, I guess it was the way that loan deal was set up in the first place to Ostend which allowed the Belgian club uh, to come in and prize him away for I think 1.5 million uh, and then immediately be very open um, in their um, in, in their plans which was to sell him on I mean West Brom were quoted I can imagine they won't be doing that again at Celtic you know they'd be putting in a, a buy clause or a clause that the club can buy mm. however Celtic will retain first refusal whether they bring him back and whether they see what goes on but you're right you know a Jack Hendry for example now at the heart of that defence would suddenly make it look a much stronger unit it means you're not having to put a young player in like Dane Murray or Uri Giri, who isn't ready to play first-team football, certainly at Celtic's level at the minute. He was only 20 years of age. So you would think having someone like Jack Henry, Sumunovic, they must be thinking, if we had those two central defenders get into the game tomorrow night in Denmark, they would feel a lot more comfortable. Ange Postacoglu uh, would certainly sleep a little bit better tonight and the Celtic fans would have a little bit more confidence. But it is what it is. They've moved on. They have to deal with what they have to deal with. But it would be good to see Sumunovic back in Scottish football. Couple of good results for Rangers at the weekend, limbering up uh, to their league opener on Saturday lunchtime against Livingston. We'd lots of uh, positive feedback about our radio exclusive interview with the new Rangers striker Fashion Sakala, and he found the back of the net at the weekend. Listen, there's still loads to come in terms of fitness, in terms of getting him up to speed, in terms of the information we're giving him. But one thing I will say is coming with an incredible attitude. He's an absolute role model to everyone where he's come from in terms of his country. He's come here with energy. He's been bright. He's been wanting to learn and pick up every bit of information. He's smiling. He's enjoying it. He's grateful to be here. He's been an absolute pleasure to work with in the opening week, 10 days. But there's loads more to come. You can see he's exciting. We still need to help him and, and, and polish the diamond. But hopefully he'll go on to be the player that we, we all expect from him. Just as well he's hit the ground running because the search is still on, isn't it, Craigs, for Alfredo Morelos? Where is he? He's still not back. <laughs> Well, Stephen Gerrard said last week, I don't know where he is and I don't know when he'll be back. So I think that tells you how frustrated he is. However, with Sakala getting a little bit of publicity, scoring a goal, you wonder will Alfredo Morelos make the phone call and say, right, I'm ready to come back now. Uh, you know, I want to be that number nine. But I'll tell you what, you know, Stephen Gerrard touched on it. I think he summed it up perfectly after watching his performance. He, still, he said, we still have to polish the diamond. And I agree. There were so many good things about his game. There was attributes. He was a little bit raw in some aspects. But he looks an infectious character. You know, he looks as if he'll get the fans excited. His teammates will get excited when he gets in possession of the ball. A couple of times he was trying to run in behind or knock the ball in behind when there wasn't enough space to do so. So balancing his game off. But getting that goal will do him a world of good. When you're a new striker going to a club, Rob, and you feel a little bit of expectation, you want to get your first goal. But he certainly looks an infectious character all around, full of energy. He's got really good attributes. He could be a smashing signing. Things are going well for Steven Gerrard and Rangers at the moment on the back of that uh, first title in uh, 10 years. Is it going to be back-to-back titles? Is it going to be success in Europe as well? Can Rangers get to the Champions League group stages? At the moment, though, it's about getting players game time. Yeah, we've got valuable minutes uh, into important players. We've showed a level out of possession that I really like. You know, our speed across the grass, our aggression, moving together as a unit in our shape. I'm, I'm really happy with that. Yesterday, we've done a lot of things right, but we missed a little bit of magic in the final third in terms of our outcomes. Um, but today, we found that magic. Two great finishes from the boys, and they'll get a lot of pl- plaudits. But for me, I'm more pleased with the two performances from everyone over the over the weekend. 
Let's touch on some other football stories uh, uh, before we go. We're just on 60 minutes at the moment. Back to the full two hours uh, tomorrow night. A historic day today for St Mirren uh, Football Club. Um, SMISA Smisa has now completed the, the purchase of Gordon Scott's remaining shares uh, which means that the, the fans own the club now at uh, St Mirren uh, which is some achievement isn't it? It is Rob it's great you know the smaller clubs uh, you know, they're not blessed with huge fan bases but they have a real passion for the football club they love getting as close to it as they possibly can this is as close as probably many football fans will get to their club Motherwell are in the same boat as well but I just think it changes the dynamic slightly you know, because funds have to be raised within. There's no benefactor to give you money when you're struggling. You've got to bring players through your academy. You've got to look to sell players on. And when you've got two St Mirren players at the minute who have a, who have interest in them, in Connor McCarthy and uh, Jamie McGrath, Jim Goodwin said, we're in a strong position ahead of the weekend. I just wonder, with fan ownership now, they will have to sell players to bring in finance. Could that speed that process up? Could they have to, or will they accept a little bit less with maybe a bigger sell-on fee? That will certainly be a story worth keeping an eye on. But it's great news for the St Mirren fans. Yeah, we were at that game on Sunday uh, when St Mirren got themselves through. And we were talking all about the seeding. They got that late goal, the last kick of the game, to, to be seeded in the last 16. And of course, on the back of being seeded, they then got Livingston away. <laughs> um, you know, So some, sometimes you wonder whether we harp on too much about things like being seeded in a draw. Uh, because possibly had they been unseeded, they would have got it easier than a trip to Amundville. Well, let's be honest, there wasn't an awful lot and uh, else in the game to talk about so, <laughs> true, so the season we had to try and drag the life out of as long as we could and of course it came down to a real dramatic finish he scored almost last kick of the ball so it kept it alive for them but uh, ultimately for Jim you know he's built a good squad he's got good players in his recruitment's been good continually throughout his four or five transfer windows big season ahead for the Saints it was. Uh, it's always good to see players that just catch your eye and you think, why are they operating at that level? What level could they get to? I think Kyle Turner probably qualified in yeah. that uh, capacity for us, playing on the right side of the midfield. I think he normally plays maybe more central for, for Partick Thistle, uh, the son of Tommy Turner, who had a, had a great career. Uh, he looks a real talent, uh, and Thistle, if he keeps playing like that, Thistle will struggle to hold on to him. Yeah, it's you know I'd said it ahead of the game at the weekend. For a 23-year-old, Rob, he's played almost 200 games. You know, he's played lower league football. He's been part-time. He's covered the hard yards. He's took the knocks. He's a small guy. He's had to carry himself. Uh, I watched him last year for Dunfermline when he beat Hearts early on in the championship, and I thought he was immense. And I thought this kid is going to get a you know get himself a right good move because I knew he was out of contract in the summer. So I think Partick Thistle have done a really good bit of business to get the hold of him. And when you look at Stuart Bannigan and Ross Stockerty, that's a really strong trio in midfield yeah. for Ian McCall and his players. If he can get that right and he can get the front two, Brian Graham and um, Zach Rodden scoring goals, they'll be a real threat this league. This year, and they've just signed uh, Lewis Mayo uh, on loan from Rangers for the season as well. So they're doing good business. Cami Smith is on the way in the door uh, for the Jags as well. Uh, so it could be interesting. They could well be operating, should be operating at the top end of the championship and bidding for back to back promotions. The last time they were promoted from the third tier, they were promoted from the second tier the following season. So hist history might just repeat itself. Some business done today by Dunfermline. Reese Breen on loan uh, has been uh, signed from Rangers, uh, young defender uh, Graham Dorans mm -hmm. is into their midfield Craig Whiten is a is now a permanent deal there's German money there's backing mm -hmm. for Dunfermline at the moment Kai, Kai Kennedy, Kennedy is in uh, as well they, they could be a real force in that championship as well absolutely I watched them in the first game of the uh, Premier Sports Cup against uh, Patrick Thistle and they struggled at times as in they couldn't keep the ball but they got better as a game went on Totter off another one from Inverness who's mm -hmm. got himself yeah. a few goals uh, 
Ross Graham, who was on loan at Cove Rangers last year from Dundee United, has gone there as well. So Peter Grant really stamping his authority on the team. And I really feel as if, you know, Kilmarnock, you said, are massive favourites for the championship, Rob. But yeah, they're evens, apparently. Yeah, yeah. The two clubs have spoken about it already. Dunfermline and Partick Thistle will have a big say in that. Let's hear finally on the show from Callum McGregor on Michelin. You know, we're a, we're a week on in, in terms of preparation. You know, a week fitter. Obviously, the game at the weekend as well, where we can learn a lot of things from that as well. So, you know, we're in a positive place going into the game. I think the first leg, we did enough to win the game and we know that as well. So, you know, we're confident going into the game that we need to get the result that will take us through. Crags, will they get the job done tomorrow night? I think they will, Rob. They've got enough in their locker. They've got enough attacking talent. Young boys make good decisions. Don't take any risks. Set like the win. Thank you very much, Craig. Good to have you on the show as ever. We're back tomorrow night with Barry Ferguson, Davey Proven. It's a 6.45 kickoff, remember, in Denmark. Uh, so we will be into the match by the time we're finished. We'll have the team news much earlier than that. Big night for Celtic, live at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five.